From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. Somebody like you. It's Wednesday, May 9th, 2018, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios, managing editor, Andre Henry. Yo. Over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. In the private office today. That's right. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Executive Executive suite. Protection. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, <laughs> exactly. Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And Andre, I like how confidently you just came out with, yo. Like, <laughs> yo. you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they kind of, they go back and forth. No, that was straight up. That was right from the hip. Yo. I like it. <laughs> I and it all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, author, speaker, podcaster, and our newest cast member, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. How are you? Good. Uh, th- this is weird. We, uh, you know, people who've been tracking along a little behind the scenes, we've been, you know, working on our studio build out and stuff. Uh, we had a big live podcast event and we that same week we had uh, some artists in our studio uh, doing some performances that we've taped and we'll be releasing those in the coming weeks and months. Um, and so we focused everything, uh, all of our efforts on getting the video studios finished mm-hmm. and the audio studio kind of sat half done for the last while. And we had a temporary setup in here where Chandler was in the room with us behind this like kind of like portable mix thing, yeah. you know? And uh, he's out. He's gone. He <laughs> is now in the new audio mix room looking at us through a window. He's got the private office. Yeah. Right. And uh, <laughs> it's 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 like a command center. It is. It's, 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 you know what I you know what I think of him as? Yeah. I think he I think it's like a lighthouse keeper too. Like he's got oh, wow. his own private room at the top of a sweet tower, right. and there's no one cooler than lighthouse keeper because the lighthouse keeper job is super chill. <laughs> The lighthouse does all the work. What is the lighthouse keeper doing? There's nothing to keep. There's no lawn. There's no, There's no lawn. There's no lawn. It's, it's rocks. It's a tower. And it's not like it's that complicated. The light turns on when a boat's near, and it goes in a circle. The lighthouse keeper's just super chill. I don't think it turns not on when the boat's near. Not job is super chill. I think they just stay on. Yeah. Mm, this is, yeah, no, so what is, is he doing? What is he keeping? This is one of those, is really there sound when a tree falls oh. situations. Like, That's why there's a keeper. Yeah. Would you rather be a lighthouse keeper or an air traffic control person? Oh, your stress levels are, are complete oh, opposite ends of the roof. spectrum right there. Yeah, well, I true. mean, depending on your airport, right? You're either at LAX or you're in one that I don't want to make fun of, but it's a tiny, tiny airport, and it's just like being a lighthouse keeper. <laughs> no, I no. Feel but, like but either even, way you're going to go but, crazy. But here's the thing. If you're, air, if you're aircraft control, you, you know, the stakes couldn't be higher. You know? Yeah. Like, if you're a lighthouse keeper, it's like either the light's on or off. <laughs> Like, that's it. You know, there's not hundreds of people depending on you to land them correctly. Unless they're on the boat. Yeah, but but usually it's like a cargo boat, like thirty, you know, thirty knots out, you know, or whatever. <laughs> the, what, what do they call it? That's a speed. What's yeah, the um, nautical miles? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, nautical out there. No, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I, I, I I don't know why we're talking about lighthouses and, and air traffic controllers, but already in the ditch. Welcome already the in the ditch. See what happens when we get like Chandler out of the room. He can't keep us on on, right. on task here. Two minutes Very in, already talking about hey, lighthouses. Hey, I thought I, you know this might be the right analogy for someone who has a private office with a glass window overseeing things. Prison warden, <laughs> <laughs> like that. 
<laughs> Chandler, you got to keep us inmates in line. That's right. <laughs> I like it. That's true. Uh, it's fancy. Some position in there. of authority with his own office. So you know, it's the next step. Uh, the the next step is now building out the rest of the uh, aesthetics, and then uh, installing all the video stuff, and taking this thing, this show, to video mm. or parts of the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody wants to sit there and watch us for an hour. <laughs> just there, just a highlight there, reel. Yeah. yeah, there might be a three minute chunk that's digestible. <laughs> so we'll start uh, We'll start uh, doing the live video switching and stuff and while I, we're doing the I show. And... Hint, it's not going to be Lighthouse Talk either. It's going to be the heavy stuff. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You're for the Lighthouse Talk, gold. you got to tune in. You got to subscribe right. if you want this. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Like When we were doing the video excerpts a, a couple of years ago in the old studio, the, I think one of the very first ones we put out there was uh, Adam Smith, you and me, uh, pontificating the origin of breakaway basketball pants. Do you remember that? Mm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I and, do. And, and I, don't, I, I know that was not something in the rundown. No, it too. was not in the rundown. But but that's if you go to the relevant YouTube channel, you can scroll down and find that. And it, I'm telling you, that's the three-minute chunk of that show that we thought the public needs to see this. They did. Yeah. I found Adam yeah. Smith to be hilarious, yeah. by the way, when he was on the show. We loved him. We just still love him. Yeah. Uh, sure. It's just, uh, we'd have him on more. He lives in Sydney. It's just ske- scheduling, you know, like very recording hard at time zones. It's 5 a.m. there, you right. know? Right. Yeah. So you wake up at 5 a.m. and try to be funny, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the sad thing is, he's got 20 solid minutes of lighthouse material. 20 solid <laughs> minutes. <laughs> he does, he does, he opens lighthouse keepers conventions and does like a whole set. He's a big, on the lighthouse keeper circuit, Jesse. Adam, yeah, he, Adam a big deal. Jesse, after we finish the Elam Chronicles, the Chooch Chronicles show, can we do a side podcast about lighthouse co- keeper conferences? Can we go expose style? There's a lot of characters there. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Oh, or I picture exactly. all of them like the guy on the fish sticks box. Like everyone exactly is wearing a yellow. <laughs> they're all wearing a yellow raincoat. Rubber suits. Those are fishermen. Yeah. Those are fishermen, not lighthouse keepers. <laughs> Wait, there's a difference. I don't know. I think they're all the same. And, and here's my other thing. Here's my other thing. I know it's like a pirate thing, but I think it's just nautical in general because there's always like ropes and hooks <laughs> flying around. But there's a lot of eye patches involved in the nautical world, and I feel like that I'm is probably. You can't I, keep a lighthouse with eye No, patch. if I do you feel like depth perception is yeah, you a need key depth element perception. of the job. Yeah, that's the only element of the job is depth yeah, perception. Serious. I just feel like anything that has to do with the sea is just all getting conflated together in this conversation. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> how, that's how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Uh, coming up later, we talk to Andy Minio. <laughs> Uh, he has a new EP out called The Arrow, and it's phenomenal. He's been releasing um, like stuff on Twitter and Instagram of like kind of behind the scenes and the making of. He's not just a rapper; he's producing this thing. I don't know. It was like wow, really I didn't impre- know that. I, yeah, I I didn't yeah. know that either. And like, it's been really impressive. He was breaking down like how he built some of the beats and tracks and some mm. of the sounds you hear in the EP. Wow! And he's like showing how he literally, well, the sound started like this and then I EQ'd it like this and here's what it sounded like and then I did this and he showed it and like wow. with these like little Instagram videos, it's super cool to see wow. the behind the scenes. Anyway, he's coming up later on the show. Yeah. And, and you know, again, we're in week two of the grand experiment of splitting this show to, to two episodes a week. Mm. Um, pe- feedback last week seemed like people liked it. Yeah, I, yeah it seemed pretty you know, positive. That's yeah. kind of part of the experiment to see, hey, see what we Twitter like says. It. And yeah. see what Twitter says. I will say so, this. Yeah. We, we're coming out guns blazing on Wednesdays. Friday show 
is all lighthouse talk. Uh, we so we'll peek behind this the curtain. This is merely a preview. The experiment the, continues. We're going to get the Gordon Fisherman on. And, oh, uh, we're trying well, to ex- we can trust him. We can trust him. We're trying. We're trying to experiment with you know trying to reach new demographics because we did a study recently, uh-huh. and yeah. the, the, out of every population, the highest podcast listening audience is lighthouse keepers, which makes sense because there's not that a lot to do. Make sense. There. Their ears are not needed. I, how's the Wi-Fi in a lighthouse? I would think that uh, it'd be, you know, because they're usually pretty remote. I would think that they don't have a lot of bandwidth. They'd probably but... download the podcast in town. They're yeah, not streaming. It. No, no, they're no. They're no but yeah, the maritime seafarers bring them preloaded like MP3 devices. And uh, so, oh I mean, most God. of their podcasts are very dated. At That's this kind point. of their exchange uh, currency is yeah. they... The goods and services, and they, they barter MP3 yeah. sticks with podcasts. A cargo, a cargo boat that's been at sea for 45 days brought in an MP3 stick with the latest BS Report podcast. It's, uh, yeah. it's a tough life out there. Entertainment but. would be a currency, I would think, when you're living yeah. on the high seas. Y'all are acting like lighthouses aren't near towns. Lighthouses, by definition, are near towns. To yeah, not always. The they're, towns. They're, on rocky, you know? they're rocky outposts. Out, yeah. you know, yeah, where, it's a good like, I mean, they're a car a drive from a town they aren't on an island where you cannot get to them i watch these you know like island hunters shows and stuff you know like where you people like looking to buy a private island and stuff mm-hmm. or like beachfront bargains and all that stuff and it's the dream you know so i and, and when these shows are on hgtv or whatever i go online and i'm like well how that's much your this? dream is to buy an island I, you know whatever just like i don't know i, I just like i like learning don't feel things shame. i'm just asking you if that's your dream no not really i think it's super cool that richard branson did back when he was like you know 22 i mean no yeah. way yeah 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 he was yeah. that young no well, i read his autobiography and he maybe he's 24 but what happened was he he uh like there was like some trip that you could take like if you were interested in buying a private island they would fly you out wine and dine you because only you know super rich people do that right and so he as a broke 24 year old wanted to take i think his fiance on a special vacation that he couldn't afford so he saw this thing where they'll fly you out to the private island you know if you're interested in buying it mm-hmm. so he did that right mm-hmm. and then they wanted you know some crazy number and of course he was just kind of there for the free trip and then years later though like he lowballed it he's like said some offensively like you know, they wanted $4 million. He's here. I have 150,000 sort of a thing. Right. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, thanks for wasting our time. Yeah. Two or three years later, they, they call him and they, okay, we'll take your offer. No, what? no yeah. way. So he got Necker Island for nothing, but just, it was, but yeah. it was like, nothing was on it. So like, he just kind of yeah. like, like the price of a house. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he bought not it. Not even a not lot of like, house. Yeah, That's like, like his normal. normal. And it's like a house in like a small town. I'm getting yeah. the numbers wrong, yeah. but it was that extreme though. I mean, it really like, was like, yeah. really? Okay. And then so well, then he's going, well, I guess I'm going to buy an island. He's in his mid 20s. It's totally bare. There's no in- anything. But he did what Bob Goff did. Bob Goff uh, has this lodge out in remote British Columbia in the middle of nowhere. And it, and it's it built a home and all the stuff. And it's where the family over the years, they would spend their summers there and stuff. And, and, but it's like this beautiful place and he's in his fifties now, but he bought the land like when he was 30 and there was nothing on it. Mm-hmm. And so then every year they would go up there and he, he and the boys would have dynamite and they would just blow chunks of the side of the mountain open. And, and then like over the years, little by little, as they saved up or whatever, 
like he could build a little cabin or he could build a whatever. And then like over the years, the family just, that's what Richard Branson did with this island. It was a hundred thousand dollars. There you go. And the yeah. island was oh, worth six million. There you go. See, hey, there you go. Or, yeah. or that's what they're asking. Hey, nice job, okay. Chandler from the lighthouse. Cameron, I got, I got really good news for you. Tell me. My local news station here did a story this week about something called the frying pan tower. Okay. So what this is, <laughs> is a coast guard living quarters. That is, it's 85 feet above the water and it's basically a flat surface with like a big tower on it and a bunch of rooms for Coast Guard uh, people who were used to stay. It is fully equipped with uh, a high-speed internet and solar generators, so you have hot water and power, all, you know, around the clock. It's here's the thing: it's 34 miles off the coast of North Carolina, oh, so wow. it's a little difficult to get to. It's been operating for a bread and a bed and breakfast, like an exotic bed and breakfast, for years. No, nope. the people who who owned it want it want to sell the tower. So it's 34 miles out to sea, but it's fully equipped with power, internet, and and a bunch of rooms to live in, and it's being auctioned off right now. Guess what the current highest bid 10, is? Will you take? Oh, hold on. Hold on. We have more questions. Just jumping with your money number. What? Um, how many bedrooms? Do you know that? I don't know the square footage of the bedroom, but it's several. It, it, it's it's a, it's very livable for like a family. Okay. You say 10,000, Cameron? Yeah. So, 2,000. I don't know. Like it's a low <laughs> oh, number because it's so no. remote. You don't I'm going to say 50,000. Andre? $36,000. Oh. $36, this is ownable, guys. We could have a podcast island out in the middle <laughs> of the Atlantic Ocean. This is what happens. I, these shows come on HGTV and then I'll go on the internet and go, like, can I buy a lighthouse? Can I buy a, a private island for no money? And like, they exist. You could buy a lighthouse for $10,000, like a decommissioned yeah. lighthouse that, you know, the government owns currently and then they're decommissioning it. But the problem is, you part of the transaction is you have to live there. Mm. You, you can't just like mm. oh. take care of it right. or whatever. You have to live there. Right. And it's like, so I, I mean that, that life is not a life I want, Yeah, but I would love to Can have we a back lighthouse. Up to how you have to commission the government commissions lighthouses and decommissions. Yeah. Them? yeah it's like a government <gasps> safety national guard, like facility. And when they upgrade or build a different one or whatever, they'll decommission it. Like they would decommission a Navy base or decommission whatever. And then they sell the Navy base land or they'll sell the lighthouse, you know? So, you know, a lot of things, Cameron Strang. Hey, this week's show is brought to you by Samaritan ministries. Samaritan ministries is a healthcare sharing ministry that offers a biblical non-insurance approach to healthcare needs. When Samaritan ministries member Kayla injured her ACL hiking, she chose a more natural approach to her recovery. Uh, to avoid a costly surgery, Kayla worked with a chiropractor for her rehab instead of a traditional physical therapist, a choice that all Samaritan Ministries members have the freedom to make since there are no preferred providers or networks. Samaritan Ministries believes their members know their bodies best and should choose where they would like to receive care. In Samaritan Ministries' direct healthcare sharing approach, over a quarter million Christians are caring for each other by sending financial support, notes, and cards every month. To learn more about how you can be a part of this community of Christians helping each other with healthcare, visit SamaritanMinistries.org. That's such a cool model. I like mm. it. Yeah. yeah. I like it too. It's disruptive. <laughs> I do. I like, I like it when industries are disruptive. <laughs> yeah. Rub the cat's hair I, the I wrong like, way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, 
I like anything that's disruptive. I've told you about, <laughs> you know, when the, when I was served as a D-League basketball coach and had, and I don't mean the professional D-League, I mean the college D-League, which right. is actually like the grading system, like F. Like I had <laughs> players like right above failing. Like I had players jump on each other's soldiers to disrupt it. I yeah. like disruption. Yeah. I, like there are lots of sports. He like really I feel this. like he had, uh, he said there's nowhere in the rules that you can't have a player sit on the other player's shoulders. <laughs> no way. Ball. And in his D-League squad, he had a guy running around on on the other guy. No way. Yeah. yeah. And you just the, had to let it be, Jesse. The, uh, show me in the rule book where I can't do it. Show me. That's my challenge <laughs> right. to you. I mean, I suddenly right. ha- I suddenly have a nine foot player out there. <laughs> we still lost. These guys were terrible. So what you're saying, even with the advantage of being eye level with the rim, did not really help us win games. But I was disrupting the game. Is yeah. my point. Yeah. You know, I like it. Um, well, moving the show along, it's time for our weekly look back at what happened in culture and entertainment. It's time for In Case You Missed It. Well, in case you missed it, Tina Fey called out uh, Dave Letterman for his lack of female writers. Uh, she was a guest on his new long-form interview show, My Next Guest Needs No Introduction, when the subject of women writers came up and the late show's partiality toward men. Uh, Letterman deflected the criticism and he said, I, I always thought, well, geez, if I was a woman, I, I don't know if I would want to write on my nickel and dime dog and pony show, pony show anyway, because, you know, we're on at 1230. And, t- and then Tina Fey quickly shut that down and said, yeah, we do want to write on it, though. I literally watched this last night. It was amazing. And then yeah. it, it, which caused Letterman to like reflect and apologize for his complicity in fostering a male dominant writer's room. And he, he said... Uh, that is my ignorance and I feel bad for that and it's changing. It has changed. Yeah. Um, but however, both The Late Show and Tina Fey's 30 Rock were largely comprised of white white writers and Tina Fey recently told The New Yorker that Donald Glover was hired because of a network diversity initiative. Mm. So he actually got the opportunity. The Donald Glover that is now yeah. blowing everybody's minds yeah. Man, actually no only got hired because of a diversity initiative. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That like, is crazy. He wouldn't have been a discovered talent had there not yeah. been a dis- yeah. diversity initiative. And, and, yeah. and I mean, he's one of the most interesting and overall talented. I, I don't even say young performers. I think artists in in Hollywood right now and in the music industry. I mean, what yeah. he's doing is provocative with Atlanta with his disruptive. new music. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it is. I mean, well, to a degree, it is disruptive. It is. I, I mean, like, yeah, he wins I, for being I mean, disruptive. The best thing, the best thing that made the rounds this week was you know the comment that. Donald Glover is doing what Kanye thinks he's doing. Yes. Uh, yeah. Right. I yeah. love that. I saw that today too. Crazy. Well, the, it shows why d- diversity initiatives are so important though. Cause a lot of people complain about stuff like that, but you think about it is like in situations like that, that was the only way that was going to happen. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's not because people mm-hmm. are like evil and saying like, we don't want any black people or we don't want any women. It's just people don't think about it. Right. You know? Right. And then now yeah. Donald Glover. Did you see this week when, when after SNL and after the video released, which, you know, if you haven't seen the new video that he released, you know, there's explicit lyrics in there. So I'm not, we can't, we can't like endorse it, but and I'm saying very, very clear violence. The graphic. Yeah, it, yeah, is, yeah. it is, it is, yeah. it is shocking for sure. Yeah. I, I would say yeah, it's, it's an shocking. important piece of art though. And Absolutely. if you, I agree. if you want to see it for kind of the, the depth that, is in it, you need to read some of these commentaries that a lot of like magazines have been doing yeah. or online sites have yeah. like pointing out all of the, the, the symbolism and references that are in there. Cause when you understand it, it's more than just yeah. a cool looking video and yeah, like whatever. Yeah. It's, it's a prophetic video. It is unbelievable. It just is what it is. You know, yeah. like but you need to watch it with that discernment and that intentionality of understanding yeah. the art, Yeah, you know, 
Um, but man, I read the New York Times piece and they didn't. I was disappointed that they didn't explain some of the symbolism. So I want to find some of those other ones. Uh, Dazed, uh, Dazed and Confused did one. Yeah, lo- uh, a lot Lovey did, did one that was really good too. Yeah. 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 There's, I mean, there's everything from Clockwork Orange to like, I mean, there's, there's some deep references in there and yeah. they're all intentional. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like yeah. every, almost every frame, right? Like every like position that he takes, the dances that he does, the facial expressions that he makes right. are all alluding to different pieces of art throughout history. And like this way that- Or, super- or that viral video of the, uh, the African children dancing. Yes. And like he brings that in, like yes. he brings in viral, th- it's, it's crazy. I'm challenging people to watch the video, like obviously like watch it however you do, but like the second or third time, watch the video, but don't watch Donald Glover. Yeah. Look what's in the background. That's what's oh, so crazy. There's so else. much else happening like, behind As him. much as you can, yeah. don't keep your eyes on him yeah, and yeah, just yeah. watch everything else that's going on in the video. Yeah. And you have a totally different perspective. Yeah. It's wild. And, and educate yourself. Read, read some of these commentaries that like point out the frame by frame references like that helps you see it yeah. in a new eye, too. It's like, you know, after you listen to a, a film crit- or an art critic, help you understand yeah. the significance and brilliance of that piece of art. Right. Like you need to read some of these commentaries. And but, shout out to John the Revelator because there's some revelation references in there, too. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> shout out John the Revelator. Come on, shout out John. <laughs> the, the the other thing is like the way it portrays like we live in a media era that's saturated by violence and we've become desensitized to it. There's no way to see this in the violence isn't shocking and horrifying, yeah. which it it's meant to do. It's yeah. meant to horrify you about the reality of violence right, and yeah. not glorify it. Yeah, because the way his face, I mean, he'll the violence happens and then he's just back to dancing. That's one right. of the interesting things the New York Times article talked about was how it how it is destruction straight to dancing and mm-hmm. destruction straight to joy mm-hmm. and how shocking that is for us. I, I mean, that was yeah something. Yeah, you don't have, it's like, especially the second time it happens in the video, it's like there's no time to recover from that second yes. act of yeah. violence. And it's like, yes. he's just asking you to just like, keep, just like keep moving. Yeah. And it has that jarring feeling. Like while I'm watching it, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. I got to back like, up for a second. Like, I'm, what just happened? What did I'm just, I just watch? To, like keep on yeah. going with you. Like yeah. that's yeah. crazy. But, 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 but I mean, think about the commentary. I mean, there's a lot of levels of the commentary, but how like we can be scrolling on our Facebook feed and, and see some horrific act of violence that actually happened in culture. And we just keep scrolling and suddenly we're on a funny meme and right. forget about yeah. it. You know, yeah. Yeah. like yeah. it has that, it has that sort of effect of like, man, this is really affecting, you know? I kind of also liked that he, I hope this comes across right. He has a very normal body, (laughs) but he didn't wear a shirt. And so he wasn't, he's not trying to be like, it's not like D'Angelo. Yeah. Right, right, right. 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 Like you just kind of go like, that looks like all my friends. You know, that, like. Read the commentary on that video. That, you know. That, that, oh my gosh, right. right. <laughs> that, I just think that's really interesting. I think that's a statement he's making too of being yeah. like, uh, of not trying to over push the sex symbol part so that we will pay yeah. attention to the rest. But even that sensuality like adds to like the entire, like the, the meta narrative of that video, right? Like this is America and there's violence and there's joy and there's sensuality and there's materialism. Like it's all just kind of like mixing over one another. I think even him like dancing yeah. around with his shirt off because he is Donald Glover. Like did, like seeing his SNL sketch, uh, no, his open for SNL and like he is so cool like while he's, he's so talking, cool. His right? jacket was so cool. Right. You know, and so like there's no way for him to do something that is not like that, that can separate himself from that coolness, that sensuality that he has. I don't know. I just think it's so masterfully done. It's crazy. And go back. I, this made the rounds this week too, is uh, back in 
2013, when he left community, he was in a hotel room one night and really in a, like a tough spot in yeah. his life and just, you know, a lot of apprehension about the future and second guessing some of the big decisions he was making. And, and he was scared and he wrote notes. I don't yeah, know if you've I seen this. this, remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he wrote like six or seven note cards, just statements to fe- like, uh, like uh, from the level of, I hope Dan Harmon doesn't hate me to the level of, I hope I'm not making the biggest mistake of my life. Yeah. And, and I, I, I did not leave community to rap and like all these things of like, I don't want to become Tyrese and all you know, like yeah. in mm. all these things of like the fear of the unknown of the future, he was taking this huge step. Yeah. And I remember when childish Gambino was a kind of a thing at the end of community. And it was kind of like, Oh, he's like the funny rapper. And like, He's the comedian. Or like yeah. people just didn't take it seriously. Yeah. He, wasn't, he wasn't doing like funny yeah. raps. Like, you know. But even the name, it was, more, it was just kind of like, yeah. we didn't know to take him seriously right, or right, not. Right. And he, he was talking about how, like in these note cards, like he doesn't want to be like defined by like people's expectations. He's got, a, he was striving and clawing and scrapping to find his own voice in his own lane. Yeah. And, and, and now five years later, yeah. after what he released this week yeah. and SNL and everything else we know about his, He's such a master of his craft to like look back at that before moment, yeah, and like see now where he went, yeah. After that, it's just like it's. I mean, it's almost like in all of our lives, you know, we all have dreams about the future. We all we all don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what God has for us next. But it's like taking that step of faith and stepping yeah. out and chasing your dreams or chasing that call on you that's uniquely yours, yeah. you know, that voice that only you have. Mm-hmm. Like, look, search online somehow, Donald Glover note cards, 2013, yeah. and read the the statements that he was wrestling with yeah. then, knowing what we know now. It's so, it's so yeah. encouraging to me. I mean, me. get your preach on, Cameron. Yeah. I like that. He, he really yeah. is a prophetic voice. I mean, when you really look at him closely, you know, I went to high school with Donald Glover. He was a senior when I was a sophomore what? at DSA. Yeah, so... what. Yeah, that is burying the lead, my friend. You could have said that eight <laughs> yeah. minutes ago. Yeah, so like, no idea, so like this man is like actually like when you say that he is what he's doing, what Kanye West thinks he's doing. Donald Glover is a free thinker. I remember being yeah. a sophomore in high school and sitting in front of Donald and he said something I'd never heard anybody say before. And it's not it's not like something like completely unique. But I remember him sitting there when all of us are like watching Disney movies and romantic comedies and saying, you know, I don't think I believe in love. Mm. And. When, then he broke it down. And this was not listening to somebody who was just crazy out there trying to be unique. This was someone whose intellect was far beyond anyone's that I'd ever heard before. As an 18 year old. Yes. That's wow. fascinating. And so like, he has always been that cool <laughs> and he has always been that brilliant. So yeah. it's, it's crazy. Hey, Andre, will you yeah. um, say for just a minute how Kanye West is making you feel? I'm super curious. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, if if we want to do it, <laughs> yeah. have you, can I ask before you answer that? Have you read the theories of the Andy Kaufman esque? I don't think it's true. I've watched a lot of interviews, no, just out of I curiosity that, about, that that it's like a whole performance art thing. Yeah. Okay, he, yeah. like, it strategically knows yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. Well, there was a I, I actually I sent it to Prop the other day because he and I've been talking about this all week, and uh, there was a couple of these Twitter threads where yeah. they are breaking down mm-hmm. uh, this this performance artist guy that is in a lot of his videos and home parties and things like that. Yeah. And, and, and like they're good buddies. And this guy is an activist and provocateur and, and, and performance artist. And it's almost like, is Kanye 
doing and then there's like all these like between their tweets there's like yeah. all these kind of like clues that like the answer's right in front of us right that yeah. this is all uh, uh, um, going to be revealed Conspiracy as a massive theory. as a massive like, like performance piece <laughs> like you know Andy Kaufman or something like that or, right. I mean, or, we, or we want that to be the case Joaquin Phoenix so, yeah. right? Joaquin yeah. Phoenix when he yeah, became a rapper and yeah. nobody knew except for Casey Affleck but right. like everybody was like he's yeah. gone off the rocker but it, we were all being played yeah and like that there's there's a there's a lot of evidence in Twitter right now kind of saying but look and blah 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 you know whatever right. which is again I'm clinging to please let that be true yeah, right? because otherwise yeah. right come on yeah tell yeah. us, well, tell well, us well, how I you feel I was gonna say like I think no, notably to that is like the performance artist that he was teaming with or has been hanging out with and seeing pictures with his most famous piece one of his most famous pieces is he locked himself in a room with a coyote. Uh, right, which right. he said is like the spirit of sort of the American of like the wild nature of America for three days. And like, is Kanye doing a version of this as locking himself in the cultural room with a coyote and uh, see who comes right, out right, right. again? Wow. I'm not saying I believe it, but anyway, th- that for context for what that performance artist has done. But Andre, what are your thoughts, man? I mean, I have thought about, well, I hope that when this album comes out, it's like, psych, I really got you guys. You right. thought that, I, you know, you thought I was like really in the Make America Great Again camp. I That's what I, I hope it's that, you know, and I think that this this whole thing is really nuanced. And I want to be careful about how I talk about Kanye, because I I do feel like Kanye is a sincere person. And I think that because I've watched a lot of interviews that he's done, right. you know, he doesn't come off, even when he's saying I'm the greatest entertainer in the world, there's still something that comes off as, as really pure about him. Right. Yeah. His TMZ interview felt like he was telling the truth. Like right. he almost he's, is childlike it, feel in it. the way that he, when he's talking, yeah. you know, like he, there's an innocence about the things that he says and his tone That's right, and Andre. all that kind of stuff. And so a part of me is like, I feel like some people are taking advantage of him if there's like a men- if there's some kind of mental health, you know, issue going on. You know mm-hmm. that it feels like Candace Owens was there at TMZ and I saw her trying to get a word in. <laughs> you know, and I'm looking at this going like this is sick, like how this person knows that Kanye is not a true champion of her values or even the president's values. Uh, Kanye doesn't know any Trumpian policy. He can't right. explain to you. He didn't know what the travel ban was. Right. Yeah. According when to asked about T. I. Right. Exactly. Saying, yeah. You know, so Kanye is not really a champion of the president's values or the values that Candace Owens right. represents. And yet she's there trying to, you know, leverage his celebrity to talk on TMZ. You know, um, I started writing about Kanye because I've never been a Kanye West fan. But when I saw the picture of like the make a him making uh, him wearing the make a great make America great again hat, excuse me, you know, I felt like I was punched in the gut about it. And so I just needed to write just because like it was it was hurtful, you know, to see that happen. And so I start writing this article that I was too afraid to publish. And I said, you know. Kanye West is operating at peak whiteness <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, uh, because a lot of things that he said sounded like things that, you know, people said to me when I started, uh, when I started, when I got uh, really active as an activist, you know, against racism, you know, these were like talking points that 
oftentimes white people would say to me. These are the same things that were coming out of Kanye West's mouth. Right. And so I decided not to publish that. And then Ta-Nehisi Coates published um, his article this week that says that Kanye is trying to, is looking for white freedom, you know? Yeah, I read that, yeah. Yeah, and it's a brilliant article. But I, I do think that I see... What I see in what Kanye is doing, which I want to separate from who Kanye is, because it might be a performance art piece. It might be something, you know, that's just, you know, he's in some other mental place or whatever. But what he's doing to me embodies some version of the American spirit. Right. There is this there is this um, individualism. Right. I'm a free thinker. I want to be on my own. I don't want to belong to the black community. I don't want to I don't want to belong to the conservative camp. I don't want to belong to the liberal camp. I just want to be Kanye. There is an exceptionalism that I think that I am powerful enough to bring people together and to solve the divides in our society with my tweets. <laughs> right. And um, uh, there was something else that I can't remember at the moment. And those are the things that I see. Um, but the thing that stands out to me the most, and I know I've been talking for a minute, is the way that Kanye talks about love. You know, he's just like, I want for everyone to love one another. I, I love everybody. You know, and let's just love everybody. And I think that that's a beautiful thought, you know, that love conquers all. But there's a problem with let's love everybody for solving societal issues. And that is like analogy, right? Um, I ask you to borrow $100 and you agree. This is a loan. Well, I just went to Vegas and I do not have $100 for you, but we can continue on okay. with this. I asked you to borrow $20. That's, 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 that's my budget, buddy. Right. Keep going. I asked you to borrow $20. Still lower. You're still getting to lower. <laughs> I asked you to borrow a nickel. Later. <laughs> no, okay. So, uh, all right. So, we agree. This is a loan, right? And I'm supposed to pay you back on the 15th, right? Um, a year goes by and I haven't paid you back. But you look on Instagram and you see me in Cabo, I'm in Rome, I'm in London, all this kind of stuff. And you hit me up and like, hey, how is it that you could not repay me $20, but you're able to make it to Cabo? And I'm like, I'm sorry I didn't pay you back. I love you. Now, now listen, that's all well and good, you know, that I love you. But that kind of love doesn't pay debts. And that's the kind of thing that we're talking about in America, which is why we can't just love one another. We can't just hug it out because hugs don't pay debts, you know. Right. And so, like, hugs aren't going to change the discrepancies in the prison uh, in the way that we police people of color, the prison population, mass incarceration, uh, the disproportionate number of black and brown people in prisons and stuff like that. Let's just hug it out. Won't do that. And so that's the thing that in what Kanye is saying that stands out to me is that it sounds like something that so many Americans say. And I hope that, you know, something can be exposed about that is that, yeah, it'd be great if we could all just kumbaya and hug one another. But in addition to that, we have to add specific, detailed, pragmatic uh, public displays of neighborly love. Amen. Come on up. About Kanye, uh, the thing I was referencing, if you want to go on Twitter, uh, the dude, it's a verified account. I don't know what else he's tweeted, but he did this thread. It's uh, at snowcone965. He said on May 2nd, get your tinfoil hats and red string. I've got a conspiracy theory. Kanye West is in the middle of a performance art piece and the clues are right in front of us. And he goes down and he breaks it down and he makes a very compelling case. I'm not saying that's what's going on, but he makes a compelling case. The, um, the only thing that makes me Spirit second guess this is the sincerity in his voice when he's talking. Yeah. And yeah. if you remember a couple of years ago when he was on tour, on this tour, um, and he did, uh, I think it was Sacramento, 
and it was right before he left, he canceled the rest of the tour, went into rehab. He went on a 20 minute rant at the concert and it was kind of the same content. It was about Trump. It was pro. It was all these things that were just like sounded uh, out of left field. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden he goes and he needed to get help. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And so it's like, is that actually what he believes? And he's just coming back to it or, you know, cause, cause that, that, and you know, if you read this Twitter thread, it makes a compelling case over the last, you know, six weeks of the, they're up to something uh, that, that we don't, you know, it's right in front of us, but we're not aware of it. But if you go back a couple of years, he was kind of talking about this stuff then too, true. you know? So it's just like, I don't know, man. If there's one thing that's undeniable yeah. about Kanye is that he cares about people. Yeah. Like when that, in that uh, interview with T.I., like Ooh. when he heard that, uh, mm-hmm. when, who was it? I think T.I. or Charlemagne told him that he's hurting people. And T.I. said, Kanye texted me and was like, hey man, Charlemagne said I was hurting people. Am I hurting people? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cause right. he really, he really doesn't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. yeah. But he's yeah. also super out of touch, like to, to not be yeah. aware of it. Yeah, he says right. he's a proud non-reader of books. Right, which is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, which that, also might go might, might go along with this whole performance art thing, where he's saying that people are uninformed or whatever. Anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Andre, thank you for thinking through all that and sharing that with us. It's just I, I just can't know what that feels like for you. And so, the more you can teach me, the more I um, am grateful. So, thanks for letting me share. I appreciate it. Well, in case you missed it, speaking of Kanye, uh, a pastor close to uh, President Trump is calling for summits this summer with Kanye West, Colin Kaepernick, and others at the White House. Pastor Daryl Scott is uh, a member of President Donald Trump's executive transition team. He's the co-founder of Cleveland's New Spirit Revival Center and a close ally of the White House. He's asked the president to host two summits, one for athletes and one for prominent artists to discuss race in America. Uh, among the invitees would be Kanye and Kaepernick. Um, uh, the pastor says Trump is, quote, 100% for it and was very enthusiastic about it. Um, though Trump and Kanye have become uh, friendly on Twitter, the president used a pretty profane insult to describe athletes who kneeled during the national anthem as part of a demonstration to raise awareness about racial injustice. Uh, the pastor told Politico, however, that confrontation was part of the idea. Quote, it's going to be unscripted, unfiltered, and blunt. No topic is off the table. I want it to get heated. However, I want it to stay respectful. I don't anticipate anybody throwing any blows. Both summits could happen this summer. So Sounds like it's going to be all dudes. Which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Well, they haven't released the full list, but uh, the, the two examples the pastor noted are, you know, obviously men. Um but I, I, they're from wildly different, uh, you know. Well, I don't know how different their political views are, to be honest. I, I don't I don't know what Kanye's really are. But. I'll let you know if I get an invite to either of those summits. I've got a chance at both. I'm <laughs> are very a, good Are you a prominent at athlete? Or? I am. Okay. I am. Okay. <laughs> hey, uh, in case you missed it, this week, Rhett and Link performed an extended taste test of Jim Baker's <laughs> Apocalypse Bucket and uh, provided oh, some God, interesting commentary about the food. So the comedy so duo good. and frequent <laughs> Tonight Show guests featured the segment on their wildly popular YouTube talk show, Good Mythical Morning, a channel which currently has more than 4 billion views. Goodness. So <gasps> as, as, what? Yeah, as regular listeners four of our podcast billion? know, the late night televangelist Jim Baker currently sells massive buckets of weird, non-perishable right. food Ugh. in case the apocalypse happens. He also made headlines this week for selling extreme survival warfare water bottles, 
which he says, <laughs> Wait listen, listen, which he says will filter out contaminants at the price of a reasonable $150 uh, per good. half dozen. Wow. As well as survival cabins in Missouri's Ozark Mountains, um, oh not gosh. far from Branson. He's uh, selling cabins? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But You know, the best part anything. about the cabin Y'all. sales is I watched a little clip of a video <laughs> because I couldn't <laughs> resist. And like the part of the selling point is like he was citing these unnamed NASA's <laughs> Why NASA is studying this, I don't know. But according to him, uh, NASA has done research, and in the in, in the likelihood of some sort of catastrophic attack, your safest place to be is in the foot of the Ozarks there in Missouri. Just so happens he's got cabins for sale there, but his other sales pitch was like, you know, Branson's right down the street too. So while you're waiting out the apocalypse, you can go see Dolly Parton three nights a week. Like, wow. <laughs> Listen, don't throw Dolly in that Branson pool. She does not. She's got her own Dollywood over here. That woman is classy. My license plate has her face on it. Thank you very much. Oh my goodness. Are you serious? I'm a thousand percent serious. Cameron. I wouldn't chose it. It has her face on it. I She's love a national it treasure. so much. That's hilarious. I'll send you a picture today. It's the best. It's the best. Well, uh, yeah, as longtime listeners of our show know, like uh, my guilty pleasure Friday night at two in the morning is I watch Christian television. And really? So, yeah, yeah. Like that's, I can't, it's like this morbid curiosity you know what kind of like tbn or god tv or just you flip oh, around i got them? i got the whole selection i mean I'm, and so i've i've kept up with the the jim baker wow camera on the pure entertainment value yeah. of just <laughs> what is the highlight what is the best what is the one where you're like okay i'm definitely watching well i i don't uh, number one i don't like getting what's critical. the atlanta of that world the I, atlanta that, it's can't miss. It's can't miss. you gotta watch it every week <laughs> i mean you gotta i mean i would go jim baker i mean it's like it's yeah. like it's just you can't look away like people really live this way sincerely and really think this way and really are there people our age you live that way Cameron or is it all people the generations above us Uh, the the when they show the audience it is all all white hair all white hair Um, uh, they're I it's sad I don't want to be like critical and I'm not like making fun of it but like I just like I watch it so I'm aware you know like I yeah. watch I want to I want to understand people who are different than me you know yeah. what I mean I watch that stuff yeah anyway well Rhett and Link taste tested uh, a bucket of food which consisted of various soups burgers puddings and pizzas and, <laughs> and it bucket? brought uh, a bucket yeah you got to buy the bucket oh, so you can store it in your basement load. you put it in your, your <laughs> bomb shelter and it's and literally like one of those big 20 gallon buckets that you buy like industrial chemicals. Yeah, 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 it's true. That's is funny. this pizza made already in the bucket? Well, you, I mean, there's not going to be like power and microwaves after the apocalypse. <laughs> it's not so, the ingredients. It's pizza, man. It's, it's an pizza. already That's what made you're asking. Is it pizza. the ingredients or is it the full made pizza? Yeah, this right, isn't like, this isn't this isn't apocalyptic blue apron. This is a bucket full of pre-made. <laughs> this is like they ordered a Domino's pizza and put it in a bucket. But, right. but it's chemical enough apron. and packed in a way that will last on your shelf for 50 years. Uh, yes, uh, but you will not last 50 years. Very healthy. Uh, here, here's a clip of their taste test. It's lumpy, man. Dink it. Oh. <coughs> <laughs> oh my god! I'm not. I'm not going to die. <laughs> you can really you can induce choking on yourself with soup. Back in the day, I would watch some Jim Baker just for the entertainment value. Oh yeah, it's so entertaining. Again, I'm trying to put it on that scale of apocalyptic food. It's not going to taste fresh. 
because it ain't. Well, they're doing the Lord's work. There you go. Uh, <laughs> for, yeah, you know, the, my favorite, because I, I watched uh, the whole thing, because of course I did, and uh, <laughs> like the black bean burgers, they were, for, for how gross those black bean burgers looked, they're pretty into them. Like, they were like, you really? know, these these are not bad. The pudding in the pizza and the soups, the soups are when they, they showed a clip of Jim Baker tasting the soup out of a giant vat on the show, Ugh. and even he chokes and tries <gasps> to, like, play it all. Yeah. Like, he takes, no! he, I'm going to taste that. That's hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> Oh yeah, my that God, is too funny. Oh. Yeah, Jim Baker yeah. and that Infowars guy are in the same business. Oh man, they, they fear monger right. and then yeah. sell you yeah. the yeah. thing Finishing you need for the the scary oh, thing right, that's right, going right, to right. happen. Right. Yeah. You're not afraid yeah, of this Alex thing, Jones. but you should be afraid of this thing. And I'm going to help you. Yeah, I got yeah. the got the I got the solution. solution and right. by the way, Branson's right down the street. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's selling point. We're all waiting for these prophecies to come true. I know I'm waiting too. At least we have a delightful amusement park and you know some some wash up country acts that'll be coming through Aren't they in Branson? Isn't that where Jim yeah. Baker is? Uh-huh. Are they in Branson? Yeah. Oh, just down the street. But yeah. Uh, Jesse, did you ever road trip over to Branson? Uh, no, when we lived regrettably, in I never did. I did. No. My senior year, a friend and I road tripped to Branson, Missouri in March. And I just wanted to see it. How far is it from y'all school? Uh, we were in Tulsa. So, I mean, it was four hours or six hours or something like that. And uh, I, I didn't realize that it was a seasonal town. And uh, March is the off season. And so there was nothing like there were no shows or the theme park was closed. It was like it was a ghost town. I mean, it was really disappointing. But you had to, the only food to eat was surplus uh, apocalypse buckets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apocalypse only pizzas. eat the black bean burger. Bucket only pizza. the black bean. It's not that bad. Hey, and lastly, in case you missed it, uh, it was announced this week. Arrested Development Season 5 is officially happening. What? Uh, yep. Uh, it was releasing soon, actually. So the creators of the cult favorite sitcom surprised fans by releasing a trailer for a new season of the show, even though they released a new re-edited version of the controversial fourth season, which is now in chronolog- chronological order and cut like a tradi- traditional sitcom. The trailer seems to completely ignore it and features a ton of callbacks to the first three seasons. Wow. Season five, ladies and gentlemen, releases on Memorial Day. Oh, so, my G. There you go. Oh, that's so soon. Yeah. yeah. That's I, I will say this. I watched some of the recut um, uh, season four over the weekend. Yeah. They're much more, much watchable. better, and much, much better. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. the the response online to the recut season four is like well, this is a whole new show. I mean, like everybody, yeah, it really, they is. did a good yeah. job with it. So, yeah, anyway. yeah, I love this show. Yeah, it's funny. It's good. That's I what, do too. I love what, it. Where does it rank in your comedy hierarchy? Ooh, that's a good question. Because I'm Seinfeld one. Really? Far and yeah. away. Seinfeld one, no doubt. Yeah. yeah y'all, no, no over doubt. the office? Y'all are such office lovers. I, I, I yeah, I'm Seinfeld far and away. I, I know just, every word of every episode, seen him countless times. That's uh, interesting. I've still not watched the brain. office, which is a it's a controversy in editorial. I'm constantly getting uh beaten up <laughs> by everyone else on the editorial team for not the watching the office. Yeah, rightfully so, seen Andre. it or you just haven't like connected with it. I've seen part of an episode. Oh no. You gotta start from the beginning. Oh, you gotta start from gosh. the literal beginning. Yeah. I know. It's like yeah. there are certain Once things that I just so not tried. You're not doing anything for like a week. Did you ever see the British office? No. It, okay. I, I would say don't watch that one. Okay. <laughs> just, I agree with that. Yeah. Just, just you know, experience the American version. It goes places. It's, it, to me, it improved on the 
concept. Okay. Ricky Gervais would not agree with that. Right. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, I think it's. But he doesn't agree with a lot of stuff the group of us is saying. Unlike Ricky Gervais, I believe that the American office is better and in Jesus. So, you yeah, know. And that God, is a I will say this, though, Andre, in your defense, there's a member of our team who I'll let go nameless, but resisted the office for a long time for reasons that were I've never clear to me. But she binge watched them all in the last like couple of years, uh-huh. like after it was already off. And now it's like her favorite show. Mm. And did you give her a raise? <laughs> <laughs> we did. She she is now. Yeah. Very, very prominent figure around these parts because of that solely. That's right. Uh-huh. Have y'all watched? Um, do you know what show cracks me up? This maybe my top is it's on Netflix, I think. But Shit's Creek. Have y'all watched that? Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's really None good. Of y'all have? I've seen it. Yeah, it's great. No, I've not I've heard seen of this. it. I've seen it scrolling through, but I've never watched it. Y'all, it is. I mean, it's it's as funny to me as Arrested Development. It's one of those those hidden gems on Netflix. I think it's a Netflix show, right? Like yeah, produced yeah, yeah. by Netflix, right? Interesting. But it's all the people from like, um, uh, oh, what's the movie about the dog show? Best in Show. It's yeah, all yeah. the people from Best in Show. Oh, and Christopher Guest. Christopher movies, Guest yeah. movies. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It. I mean, I'm not kidding, y'all. It. It, it makes me laugh out loud in an embarrassing manner in airport lounge. That's interesting because Waiting for Guffman is my favorite movie of all time. Yes. Okay, Cameron, then please watch it. I think you'll think it's so funny. Waiting Great. for Guffman is hilarious. I can sing every song. I, you show. know what I've learned about Christopher Guest movies is whenever you, if you've seen them, or if you ask somebody what ones are their favorite, it's always the first one they saw. Oh really? You know I mean, yeah. like if you, yeah, and same with like Wes Anderson movies. I found people like <laughs> oh, I saw Bottle Rocket first, and that was the one, yeah. you know. And then all the other ones are like pale to the one, you know. Like, but that whichever one, whichever one you got first is usually your favorite. Yeah, that yeah. is very yeah, true. Yeah, because Waiting for Guffman was my first one too of his yeah. world. And so to me, all the other ones are derivative of Waiting for Guffman. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, see, okay, see, but, my, I saw Spinal Tap, and he didn't even direct Spinal Tap, but he was in charge of all the it, improv, yeah. and he's the main star right. in it. So everything in my mind compares to Spinal yeah, Tap. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for. In case you missed it, stay tuned. Up next, Andy Minio joins us. You're listening to Amber Mark. The song is All the Work. What do I do? At the beginning of the podcast, that's what Chandler's doing right yeah, now. Yeah, right now. That's right. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Emotional Oranges with the song Motion. I love that name. Well, this episode is also brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step by step recipes and pre measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. With HelloFresh, there's something for everyone. Their selection is fantastic. You can choose three plants, classic, veggie, or family, uh, and the Jim Baker plan, survival. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And each box is made up of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rated, trusted sources. Uh, I I have to say, in case they're listening... No, there is no Jim Baker plan. And on that's Hello how you Fresh. know it's yeah. not Jim Baker stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be the yeah, opposite exactly. of HelloFresh. Yeah, yeah. They're not. They're the, the 
quantity isn't, yeah, see, when you heard the Jim Baker thing, like, these are handcrafted, so you know, like, oh, how, you know, am I feeding a family of two? Is one a vegan? Yeah. Uh, Jim Baker's, they said, is it one vat or two? <laughs> you make it by the vat. And there's only two options. And there's only, have, yeah, you, have you killed the other person in your bunker yet? Oh okay. My oh, just, my gosh. Just Jesse. use one vat. Hello Fresh believes Gross. cooking should be simple and convenient and not a chore. <laughs> All the ingredients come pre-measured and handy labeled meal kits so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. Uh, they are delicious filling meals delivered right to your door every week for less than 10 bucks a serving and free shipping. I, I personally use HelloFresh uh, and and save the uh, the my I have like every of ingredient card or meal card, you know, where they have all the instructions and all that stuff. And my theory in my mind, the reason why I save all these things is that, oh, I can just like now just go buy at the grocery store. I know yeah. how to make this delicious meal. I never do that. I just get the next box. <laughs> but literally last night, Cohen, uh, he was wanting to stay up late. And he was oh. like, hey, dad, can we have HelloFresh? Because he knows it takes me like an hour to do it, you know? Wow. And so he, he asked for good, healthy meals, you know? He asked for HelloFresh by it? name. Well, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm a sucker for, you know, for kids going to work the angles to stay up a little bit late on the school <laughs> night, you know? What yeah, did y'all make? Uh, we had last night this uh, bow tie pasta thing with broccoli and chicken sausage and it was the mm. most flavorful thing and I love this this is honest this is completely true almost every meal I make that's a hello fresh meal for Cohen he he'll you know he's never had it before and he's not an adventurous eater uh, at all I mean he would just have chicken nuggets every day if he could and so I'm making him expand his palate and 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 he's not sure about it and then he eats the meal and at the end he goes Okay, Dad, that was the best HelloFresh meal. Hmm. Like oh. every time, like every one is his new favorite, which is great. That's sweet. It's awesome. So there you go. Yeah. Well, that be- that beats my uh, I've I've had for the seventeenth night in a row for my Jim Baker bucket, <laughs> and what's identified as bologna in quotes on the bucket. Gross. So. Yeah, <laughs> Not feeling hey, too right hot. now, HelloFresh has a special <laughs> offer for relevant podcast listeners. You can get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh by visiting HelloFresh.com slash Relevant30 and enter Relevant30 at checkout. Uh, again, that's $30 off your first week of HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com slash Relevant30 and entering Relevant30 at checkout. Well, rapper Andy Minio just released the first in a series of four new EPs. This one's Chapter One, The Arrow. Each of the four EPs will explore a recent chapter in, in Andy's real life in which he has struggled with fear, doubt, and anxiety, but also a uh, found a renewed hope in faith. Mm. We recently spoke with Andy about the project and why confronting the mental and emotional darkness can be so powerful. Here is Andy Minio. What's been interesting has been the main response that I've gotten for this project is thank you. And that's such a strange response to get because I've been thinking about it. Like, normally you listen to music and you just say, yeah, I like it or I don't like it. Thumbs up, thumbs down. But to be, to respond to a piece of art with gratitude has been kind of an interesting thing for me to process. Um, That people are like thanking me for making something so i'm still trying to figure out why but i have some theories <laughs> <laughs> like what what are some of the theories well it was actually an observation one of my friends made it's like when people start saying thank you for a piece of art you made it's because 
there's a gratitude, I think, because you've said something that they have wanted to say. Or you have, in some way, like, freed them from something. And I think just what I was going through, the, the doubt and the experience that I was having was just something that a lot of people were experiencing and probably not feeling like they had an outlet for it or how, knew how to say it or felt trapped or lonely. And, you know, I think maybe me just saying it, what I was dealing with, anxiety, depression, doubt, fears, was like someone else felt like they weren't alone. And I think that's what mother made them feel gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. And from your end, I mean, was that, was that kind of accidental? I mean, it sounds like you were just out to sort of communicate your experience and it mm-hmm. would, be, would be surprising how many people came and basically were like, Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, I think my philosophy on like making art and stuff has changed as of late, but I think like music is a place for honesty. So if I get an opportunity to be honest and share me, who I am, and the people who are going to connect with that are going to come around. And I think there's a deeper sense of satisfaction when your art resonates with people, with the right people, instead of, you know, like hit making or chasing hits where you're like just trying to create something that everyone's going to like. Um, you kind of lose some of that personal touch. So I think I've been really like motivated by that as of late. More like what can be the the real personal touch and the personal experience for this piece of art as opposed to like what can be the catchy, chanty hit that everyone wants to sing, you know? So uh, take us take us inside that a little more. So I I think of a song like like Family Photo off the project that that is so specific and particular and anecdotal. You know what does it feel like to have something like that out in front of the people? Does it feel like does it feel like you're taking a big risk in being vulnerable that way? Does it feel like catharsis and like you're kind of exercising a demon almost like what does that vulnerability look like in a song like that I think like as I go as I'm going through life and just life is happening experiences happen and then they like stick with you certain things experiences or memories stick with you and as an artist I find a way to take those experiences and share them with people and I don't know why necessarily but I think it's just like this urge to express uh, feeling you know artists are like people who deeply feel I think that's why people are drawn to them because they feel and say and communicate things that a lot of people try to suppress you know or not deal with or say or think you know Yeah. so me sharing that um, or writing about that experience was like you know, this is an experience that deeply impacted me and I wanted to I wanted to make a piece of art out of it. And I think there's like a 
there's like a, a sense in me that wants to let other people I think like intrinsically this isn't like exactly what I'm thinking while I'm writing it yeah. I think like underneath is the sense that like I don't I want people to know they're not alone you my dad what I did to you to make you not love me mean what I should to you look I don't understand I jump off a bridge I take a bullet to the rib before I hurt my kid you know that Mark told me something I will never forget sounded just like you that's why I know it's legit he said you go to Andy's football games but not lacrosse why you told him you don't like that sport well what do you like me it said i gotta ask you either cry or you try to learn to laugh look i figured i'd be passed and an- another track i wanted to wanted to talk about um that i thought was pretty cool is uh i ain't done kind of toward the end um it's, it's kind of a banger man it's cool um but uh it kind of feels like it it sits apart a little bit for that reason from a lot of the other songs i mean wh- why was it important to sort of have like a, a power hype track a little bit of an anthem alongside some of these more contemplative songs um i think it was created i don't know if it was necessarily like as calculated as you just made it sound <laughs> as much as it was like it was created out of that same stream of thought which was like fear doubt anxiousness you know what i'm saying yeah um and in one of the transitions, like after anxiety, I say, um, like anxiety is fear mixed with control. And when you can't control something, the only thing left to do is to rage. And that like is in line with the story. Like the, whenever you see somebody raging or going crazy, like losing it, screaming, it's often because they're so filled with fear that they have to find somewhere to lash out and like protect themselves. Yeah. Um, it's almost like watching like a, that's why rage is rage is a weird thing because it looks very brave. Rage looks like, wow, look at the bravery, but really it's just fear. Um, like I, the, the best picture I have for it is, I don't know if you've ever seen a Christmas story. Have you ever seen a Christmas story? Yeah, for sure. So there's that moment when Scud Farkas throws a freaking a snowball at Ralphie's face. <laughs> yeah. And he starts crying. And then he's like, oh, cry for me, right? He's just like, you know, he's totally making fun of him. And all of a sudden, Ralphie snaps. And he goes and he beats the piss out of this kid. He tackles him. And he's pounding him. And he's screaming, motherfucker, you know, swearing yeah. all that stuff. And everyone around is like, whoa, he's beating up the bully. Like, how courageous and like, you know, everyone's like rooting him on. It's like crazy moment. But then his mom comes and grabs him by the face and says, Ralphie, Ralphie, what are you doing? And then he starts breaking down and crying. And I'm like, that's what I feel like I ain't done is, is it's a song of rage uh, out of fear. You know, it's not necessarily like meant to be this like courageous anthem, even though that's what people are saying about it. Uh-huh. But it's more, it was more out of a place of fear. Um, that I made that like I'm screaming I'm literally screaming I'm not done because I'm so afraid of being done that I have to like rage against it
That was Andy Minio. Stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. Okay, it is time for your feedback. Uh, I just got to say, I'm I'm watching um, some Jim Baker videos, and they have a smorgasbord of options. Uh, (laughs) Cheesy macaroni is one. Um, I I would think that that would keep. Yeah. If you have water. I just like that. It's like they try and, you know, make it more... Uh, Delicious. Yeah, sounding in the in the in the description. I have a theory that it's Creamy not potato soup. I have a theory that it's not actually survivalism yeah. stuff. It's not to keep for the apocalypse. Real banana bites. But <laughs> I have a th- real banana yeah, like, bites. Like, in, in quotes. Yeah. I have I have a theory that these things, by definition, are so packed with preservatives that it's all these old people eating this food, thinking that it'll preserve right, them right. and they'll live longer. <laughs> Oh, to preserve yeah, their bodies yeah. like you and Diet They will Coke. kind of mummify oh, themselves <laughs> and live forever that way by eating the Jim Baker apocalypse buckets. That's uh, my theory. Yeah. Just pump yourself full yeah. of chemicals. What you're doing, it's 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 a it's called pickling the inside. <laughs> and pickles don't go pickles bad. Pickles don't go bad. Pickling the inside. That's why, yeah. that's oh. why is, uh, the old, the old that's people awful. love them. Um, okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, we asked you uh, what about the strangest Christian cliches. We got talking about the hedge of protection on the show. <laughs> and we're like, what? Well, yeah. That sounds weird. You know, and like, and, it, and we asked you to tell us your, uh, your favorite Christian cliches that kind of are common, but hey, that sounds odd. Uh, you guys hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and you posted on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Here's a few of our favorites. This one from Mark, he works with some interesting coworkers, and <laughs> I just don't understand how uh, like confrontational these this people are. This is a funny one, though. I like you. Mark says, uh, my coworkers often say, God, uh, God bless you when someone sneezes, sneezes, but two of my coworkers have recently started countering the religious undertones by shouting, science! After a sneeze, or more recently, Godzilla, because it's a non-denominal, it's it's non-denominational, but acknowledges the existence of a higher power. Look, I don't have anything against Godzilla. people not wanting to say "God bless you," but don't so, be an obnoxious jerk about it. No one, okay, no one like doesn't become a Christian because Christians are mean to them, and likewise, no one's going to say, you know, what? I'm going to forego the faith that I've devoted my life to and that I was raised in because a coworker. Yelled science when I sneezed. What are you trying to accomplish there? That's uh, so uh, funny. That's something Ricky Gervais would do. Yeah. <laughs> I would laugh so hard in public if someone, if I heard someone sneeze and someone else yells science, I yeah. would, I would go shake that person's hand. Yeah, that's true. I think that's. Funny. Did you see okay, some, I, somebody actually explain the hedge of protection stuff about how yes. back in the olden times, you know, they it wasn't like a hedge, like a bush, like we have, but they, but like the shepherds and farmers it, couldn't erect fences or wood was too premium or whatever back in biblical times, and so they would, um, twi- they would intertwine these like thorn 
bushes and like and they would create like fencing with that to keep like the herd together or something like that and it's mm-hmm. the the hedge was actually like well Jesse and I saw that in Somaliland uh the the indigenous yeah. like herdsmen and stuff the where they, they would create pens they would for their goats or whatever with these incredibly thorny uh bushes they would create mm. like pens that way and it like you can't touch them. I mean, like, they, and so it would keep yeah. the animals at bay. And so, like, oh, a hedge like that uh-huh. actually would provide some protection, right? You know, so okay, I get. That, it. That's the other thing about like why well, I feel like reading the Bible in in con. And that's that's a great feedback from a listener, like because it, it gives like the shepherding context to the the you know analogy. It's like when people cite for for people that like spank their kids or whatever, and they, and they were like, "Well, spare the rod, spoil the child." It's like, yeah, the rod they're talking about is like a shepherd's staff, and it was to guide the sheep, not to whack them. You might want to you might want to understand the context of the verse because that'd be a pretty jacked up shepherd that's just yeah. going around smacking like sheep every time just, they're just wandering. Just doing a whack-a-mole. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. 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 He guided yeah. with the stack. Goodness. Yeah. I liked Eric Odom's feedback. He talked about as far as the east is from the west, which is actually biblical, but he said, that's not that far. Just turn around. <laughs> <laughs> but for flat earthers, you guys, for the flat earther yeah. pastors we have in the crowd, they are going to say that as far as the east is from the west is really mm-hmm. far. It's us. Yeah. It's us that believe if the earth is round that we can just if turn you're around. non-ironically a flat earther, please stop listening to our show. Just no, no, no I just disagree. Call I in want, as listener I want of the those week. free. I want those free thinkers on this show. <laughs> me too. I've gone down. Hey, I've listened to live flat earth podcasts for hours just to get in their heads. It's, <laughs> wow, they're on. I want to be on their side. You, hey, you <laughs> watching those or listening to those shows is me watching late night Christian television. It's, it's just like, true. It's, it's a morbid fascination with mm. this very strange sunset. Dude, I'm still watching mm. the videos. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> there's a guy, there's a guy named Vic Berger who is uh, like, that's what, uh, that's what I'm watching right now. It's Vic. Oh, Berger's you're watching videos. the Vic Berger video. So what yeah. he does is he edits videos like found footage and just like weird, funny videos, like to make them like awkward videos, way more awkward than they are. Like they're just really funny editing it's very hard to describe he works with like tim and eric a lot so yeah. to, to kind of get the impression of the type of humor and he'll add in sound effects that aren't there but his on the late night jim baker i could literally watch those for hours they're hilarious um okay here's another one um from uh john david book the third uh who you might have guessed with a name like john david book the third is from sheffield england um he he sounds hey, like he's part of, of yeah, world, he's probably Sheffield. part of some sort of royal family that's ruling Sheffield <laughs> there. Um, but he said, "Can we never quote love on someone ever again?" <laughs> right. And also, to pastors or speakers wanting to share a nugget with you, they better they better be gold or chicken. That's true. I'm assuming they think it's gold. But yeah, I don't. I never got the love on. This that is what I was like, looking at because I feel like love on is just too vague of an instruction at church. You know, like, let's yeah. love on someone. I don't know. Yeah. What does this involve? Yeah, you're like, what do you want me to actually are, are do? Are you asking me to give them money? Do they need money? Do they, do they need a love offering? What is love on me? It's yeah. like, hey, yeah. listen, yeah, this yeah, family yeah. just lost their house in a tornado. Let's love on them. You're asking for money. And that's fine. They lost their house. But let's just be clear. Because they don't want to be loved yeah. on. They need help buying groceries because they lost their house in a tornado. It's almost back to your, your right. point earlier. Yes. Yeah. Full circle. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, I, that's why when a family of mine... <laughs> When family in my church loses don't, their home Jesse, in a tornado, don't. they right. have two buckets of Jim Baker's deliciousness <laughs> waiting on the, waiting on the doorstep of their disaster relief tent. Uh, it's no, 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 love all no. over them. 
<laughs> uh, we should stop saying uh, pour into you. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's big in the charismatic circles. Yes. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> pour it in. Just pour it in. I can't touch any of these. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same. I'm just, you're, you're, I, just, I like that Andre's taking the high road, and yeah. I'll go as low as we need to. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You can talk about a family in your own church. I will their... get as deep in the gutter as I need to. <laughs> Andre is our lighthouse keeper. <laughs> he is the one. That's true. <laughs> Um, uh, there's a lot more where that came from. Uh, you can just spend an hour reading PC walkers alone. I mean, he's, there's, there's a lot more. <laughs> Apparently Christians have a lot of weird sayings and, uh, you guys do not disappoint. Go check them out on the, uh, podcast episode page. $2,500 for a bulk sampler bundle. Uh, I'm, about so to, I'm about to love all over you, family. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Uh, it's just a it's creepy a, phrase. It is. Thank you. I agree. It's a, it's a real shame you lost everything you own. And, uh, <laughs> but I'm just going to pour in $2,500. By can, my math, this will last you 900 years. We could use the $2,500 right now. And no. You're gonna have the bucket, right? Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you. Oh, I don't even have a place to keep the bucket. You understand? I lost my home. Where am I? Gonna, where am I going to keep well, six pallets of buckets? You can sit on the buckets like chairs. They don't have furniture. You know what I tell you them? Know? I would say just literally leave them anywhere. Trust me, no one's going to. Steal <laughs> Six pallets. Where like, would you? Like, I do not have storage. Like, for that. A, like a thief would come up and be like, "Oh man, these are just sitting right out in the open." Jackpot. And then you're just like. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> gross. No, it's an 80-pound bucket of macaroni and cheese. This is, this is something called cat gross. bacon. I don't want this. Cat yeah. bacon. All right, it's time for this week's... Editorial question of the week. Okay, well, it's uh, it's graduation season. It's uh, it's happening. I, there, there, there was a... My neighbor had a huge graduation party this weekend. Oh, yeah. it, it sounded like I was there. It was, <laughs> and then yesterday we live on 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 this little lake, and um, uh, during you know it's Monday, you know, and in the middle of the afternoon, all of a sudden these former high schoolers are out just jet skiing, and they've got nothing to do. And it's like, <laughs> can, can I tell you something that happened to me at graduation that scarred me for a long time? I'm nervous about this, Jesse, because I'm speaking at my first graduation ever, and I'm scared I'm going to be the one who has who people tell these stories about. My my cousin was graduating. He was a year older than me, so I was in high school at the time. And I, I me and a buddy drove to support him at this graduation. And we got there, and like I remember, I was like really thirsty, so I walked into the school because it was outside on the football field. And I walked into the school to uh, like find a vending machine or something. And on the ground there was like a cap, like just the graduation cap. You did not and put it on. <laughs> I, I I was like, Jesse. you know what? The graduation's already started. Whoever it, whoever this is is not coming back for it at this point. So I took it and I was like, here's here's what's gonna be awesome. I was like, hey man, when they all throw their caps up in the air, I'm just gonna chuck one from the audience and see if I can get it in like to the big like cloud that goes up. You know, and they're like, Oh, where'd that graduate come from? It'll be hilarious. So I'm in there and then I go and like I realize my cap is a different color than all oh, the ones wow. of the graduates. Like uh, like it was some like spare cap of wrong color but i was like no this is gonna be too cool to do it anyway so they have so i'm in like the grandstands and like in front they have a, a place for like elderly family members that can't climb oh up gosh. into the bleachers and then jesse and then is like the graduates 
So it comes to the time where they throw their cap in the in the air, and like I like frisbee it as hard as I can, till thinking that it's gonna like make it into the cloud oh of graduation gosh. claps. Well, I there's not much weight to a graduation <laughs> cap, you know, and it's just spinning four sharp corners through the air, and it comes plowing down, and and the elderly people aren't looking. Oh, no backwards they're looking for and in, <laughs> I, this, I hope the statute of limitations has has <laughs> uh, you know resolved because i haven't confessed the story before and it hit an old woman in the back of the no. head and i saw her like grab the back of her head and people around her like surrounded her and started looking up and pointing up at the grandstand <laughs> trying to find who threw it and i was just no. standing there like i don't know and my buddy was like just to play it cool and people were like it's him and they started <laughs> <laughs> I I promise you, I ran oh, out of there. No. I ran and drove away. I I got I, I escaped, but uh, that anyway. If that, you made something bad happen, you just you book it. Is that what I, you it do? depends on the scenario? My first impulse, like I said, was to play it off real cool, like you know. But then when I saw an angry <laughs> mob form, when an angry handle. mob forms, yeah. when an angry mob forms, you only have one choice. You yeah. know, right. it's, you get out of there. Which I, I couldn't did, handle so. watching the aftermath. I would have, I would have booked it faster. I, I there was a, a beginning like welcome to the new uh, school year thing, uh, barbecue at college once, and like everybody yeah. was out and you know picnic and barbecuing and. All the students were there, and um, and 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 some friends and I were just tossing the football, you know, whatever. And I don't know what I did, but I just like chucked it as far as I could. And same thing, a, gr- a girl was like walking away, and it just whopped her in the back of the head, and just like <laughs> no. knocked her knocked her completely over. I no. was gone. I just like I just booked. It. I didn't like think about it. It was just like a reflex. I just ran. Yeah. I don't know if she's okay. If she died, I don't know. But yeah. I was in college and I a guy I shouldn't say his name for for reasons that will become clear and uh, all my floor was the guys hanging out with were a bunch of guys like goofing around and uh, he's he's now like a relatively prominent pastor okay uh, because this is you know a long it's time ago Jim Baker and yeah it's, it's Jim, Baker. Jim Baker he was doing some grad school stuff wild guy in the dorms he you know, we had parties we had parties he was a, he was in charge of food it was great I mean, it was horrible. <laughs> it, was, it was weird. It was weird corn soup, which isn't great for like a college major. But um, anyway, like we somehow for some reason there was a watermelon. Like we came across a watermelon, and the guy like bowled it down the hall, thinking it would hit like the back uh, wall and just explode. Well, it was a long straight hallway, and we're on the the fifth floor. And there's like a, the, at the end of the floor is a fire escape door and a fire escape. And then it's just sidewalk. He bowls it down. It blasts through the door. <laughs> it's fully intact and flies off the balcony. Five <gasps> stories. Wow. We run over and it had missed a girl standing there by inches, <laughs> oh by inches and exploded everywhere. And we we're it like, exploded dude, all, like all over her. The trajectory of our lives could have been, tra- we could have like, that would have been a salt by watermelon. I probably would have gone to prison in college had that watermelon, you know, been one second sooner. So, you know, you got to be careful Yeesh. with that stuff. Uh, well, uh, the question of the week, uh, speaking of, you know, Jesse told the graduation story in his graduation week, we want to know your most, like the craziest or funniest or most awkward thing that you've seen happen at a graduation, college or high school or whatever. Maybe it was yours. Maybe you were the cause of it. Maybe it was just something you saw in the crowd. Um, <laughs> hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post your longer stories on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Mm. 
Um, well, that'll that'll do it. I mean, we're getting in the in the flow now. I'm yeah. getting it. This is the third of yeah. uh, the new format. Uh, the Wednesday episode is in the can, and uh, tune back in on Friday for another edition of the Relevant Podcast. Hey, many thanks to Andy Minio for joining us. You can check out his new EP, The Arrow. It's out now. Follow him on Twitter at Andy Minio as well. And many thanks to this week's sponsors for making the episode possible. To learn more about Samaritan Ministries and how you can be a part of this community of Christians helping each other with healthcare, visit SamaritanMinistries.org. And also HelloFresh. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com slash Relevant30 and enter Offer code relevant thirty. Uh, you'll you'll like it. Okay. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Andre Henry. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. And I'm Annie F. Downs. We'll see you guys on Friday. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. What you're doing, it's 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 a it's called pickling the insides. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.